0: Thanks, Daniel. Excuse me. <clears throat> My name is Ron Kuhl. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are online. We're going to finish up our series. Next week starts Lent. So uh, we're going to finish up the series we've been in called God's Blessed Up, Messed Up Family. And, and what we've recognized is that is that God loves us not because we're so good, but because in spite of the fact that we're so good in spite of the fact that we're messed up it's because of his grace it's because of his amazing love that God loves us and that God blesses us and I don't know are are we fighting (laughs) okay we're going to uh I'll just try to do this without that all right okay are we good now all right let's see if we got it back. All right. We've been looking in particular at Jacob. All right. He's the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. And, and what we've seen throughout Jacob's life is that he is wrestling. He's struggling. He's, he's fighting against God. And he, he finds it so hard to surrender. We've seen that from the moment really he was conceived. He and Esau, his twin brother, Esau was born first, but they wrestled in the womb. And, and, and Jacob ended up taking advantage of Esau to get the, the birthright. All right. And so then the second week in the series, what we saw was that Jacob stole the prime blessing. Esau wanted to give that to his firstborn, or Isaac rather, wanted to give that to his firstborn son Esau, and Jacob kind of snuck into there. He stole that. And When Esau said, I'm going to kill you, Jacob ran away off to Haran. On his way to Haran, we talked about how Jacob had a dream, and and in that vision he saw a stairway to heaven. And how God came down and how God made unconditional promises to Jacob. I mean, he showed himself in all of his glory and all of his power. And he said, I will be there with you. I will be there for you. And Jacob said, well, if you do that, if you do that, then I will follow you. He got to Haran, and there he got tricked. The trickster got tricked by Laban into marrying and Leah, and, and he worked seven years more for Rachel, was there for 20 years. And then last week, we kind of came to the high point and the low point. For Christians, they're, they're the same kind of. But the high point and the low point of Jacob's life, because he wrestled with God at the Jabbok River, and that's when he finally surrendered. <clears throat> that's when he finally said, I can't stand on my own two feet. I can't make it anymore. And so this morning, we're going to jump ahead 50 years, all right? We're going to finish up his life. A lot of the stories that happen in between here involve Jacob's children, um, primarily Joseph, if you know any of those stories. We're going to move to the end of the story of Jacob. It's in Genesis 48, 49, and 50. And, and what he does here is he gives his final blessing. And, and, and we've kind of seen throughout this series that in many ways, Jacob is not a likable guy. Jacob is a schemer. He's a trickster. You can't trust him. You can't. He's going to fight against you all the time. Now we see Jacob at 147 mature in his faith. And in a sense, we meet a, a different Jacob here. We meet somebody who has understood God's grace. We, uh, we meet somebody who sees himself differently and we meet somebody who sees the world differently because he now sees who God really is. And, and so it's a really kind of cool story, so please stick with me on this. Let me fill in kind of how we get to the end of that story. Again, um, this is the Promised Land, Sea of Galilee at the top, Dead Sea at the bottom. And, and we talked last week about how Jacob came back from Haran, and, and, and he uh, knew that Esau was coming up to see him with 400 men. Jacob's scared. He wants to just spend a night alone. Sends the family and the animals across the river, and that's when he wrestles with God. And that's when he ends up surrendering. That's when he ends up bowing the knee to God. That's when he gives his life to God and says, I need you to bless me. I need you, not what I've been chasing. I need you. The next morning, he wakes up. He gets up, and he goes across the Jabbok River, and and he's got a limp. All right, he's got a limp as he goes across the river. Esau gets closer, and and it's fascinating because, again, you're kind of wondering. Esau said, I'm going to kill you. So what's going to happen when they finally meet? And in some ways, it, it's just no huge confrontation. They actually kind of get along with each other. Esau says, oh, you didn't have to give me those things. You take them back. And Jacob says, oh, no, you keep them. I'm doing fine. And you kind of go, I thought you guys were going to kill each other when you got together. But at least on the surface, and to some degree, I think they, they just agree to get along. Esau, at one point, this is interesting, Esau says, hey, Jacob, come on, come to my place. Let's, let's go. And Jacob says, I'll follow you, but I got the kids. I got the kids, so, so you go on ahead of me. And Esau says, well, let me just leave some of my guys here. And Jacob says, oh, no, you, you just go. You just go. And so Esau goes down here. And Jacob, again, I, I don't think they quite fully trust each other yet. Jacob doesn't go to Esau. Jacob goes across into the promised land. And the only time we see him together again is when they bury their father, Isaac. So they, they don't have fights going on for the rest of their lives, though their children will be fighting. During his time in the land, Jacob experiences two tragedies. The first is that Rachel, who is his favorite wife, his favorite wife dies when she's giving birth to Benjamin. Okay, this is the 12th son now of Jacob, but but Rachel gives birth to Benjamin, and in that she dies, and this just tears tears Jacob up. Rachel was the one that he loved. And then the second thing that happens is Joseph, his favorite son, the firstborn from Rachel, 11th overall. But his favorite son is sold into slavery. Although, if you know the story, you know Jacob actually thinks he's dead. And and there's a whole list of stories there that we're not going to get into today. But 23 years after Joseph was lost, an amazing thing happens. Because what happens is that Jacob learns that Joseph is still alive, and in fact is second in command in Egypt that Egypt is the most powerful nation in the world at this time. And his son, Joseph, has risen to second in command. He's alive. And so Jacob brings his family and everybody else, and they go down to Egypt. And he meets, again, his son, Joseph, who is powerful. Stay there for 17 years, okay? And that's when we come to chapter 48, to the end of the life of Jacob. Genesis 48, verse 1. Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. And, and it's really similar, if you were with us at the first sermon in this series, just as, just as Jacob's father, Isaac, was, was ill and, and, and was going to give out the blessing, now Jacob is the one. Jacob is the one who's laying in bed. Jacob is the one who is there and is ready to give the blessing. So Joseph took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh was the firstborn, Ephraim the second, along with him. And they came in to see grandpa. They came in to see father. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, Israel rallied. Again, Jacob and Israel are the same person, okay? Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. So he, he, he gets his strength together, and he ends up sitting up like this. And, and he's got his son there. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. That's that, that uh, stairway to heaven, all right? And there he blessed me. And he said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give you this land as an everlasting proper possession to your descendants after you. God promised me all of that. It's what we call the, the family promises, the covenant promises. Now, I want to just throw one thing in here that will come back way at the end, but, but we also learned at that time that, that Jacob was the, the carrier, or Isaac rather, was, or Jacob, yeah, was the carrier of the promised one. Okay, that, that God had promised to Abraham that one of his descendants would be a Messiah. One of his descendants would be a Redeemer. And it went through Abraham and then Isaac and now to Jacob, that Jacob was that one. And the question is, who's going to be the next? Who from Jacob's children is going to carry that blessing forward? So they're there. And, and what we have, and, and, and if I just read the text, it'd be hard to follow. So it took me a while to kind of put this all together so that we could understand it. But basically what we have next is an adoption. It's really interesting what, what Jacob does here, because Jacob adopts Manasseh and Ephraim. He says this, now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here, so that was at least 17 years earlier, they will be reckoned as mine. I claim them. I adopt them. All right, Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Reuben was the firstborn, Simeon the secondborn, and so what he's saying is your two sons, in a sense, his two sons are taking Joseph's place. Your two sons are going to be mine, and, and they're going to be like, well, like Reuben and Simeon, and in some ways they're taking that place, because Ephraim and Manasseh are going to become the two largest tribes in Israel, and so he's adopting them, Any children born to you after them will be yours. You keep whatever else you got coming. Uh, And and, and, and when it comes to being in the promised land, in the territory they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. So any other kids you have will get territory from Manasseh and Ephraim. Okay? Does that make sense? So now we have kind of an official ceremony um, that, that comes. The two boys move out, and Israel asks a question. Jacob asks a question. When Jacob saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, "'Who are these?' Think of that not as like, I don't know who my grandkids are. Think of that like at a wedding when a pastor says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? When I ask that question, I know. I know who's going to answer. I know the answer. It's not like I'm thinking, does anybody do this? No. That's what's going on here. Okay. This, this, is, a, this is a process. This is the, who are these children? And, and Joseph says, these are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. And, and, and so now, now we're going to see Jacob take these boys into his own. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. Again, so much like, like, so much like Isaac. Um, so Joseph brought, again, to Jacob Israel, his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. All right, And so he brings Manasseh there, and he brings Ephraim there, and, and, and Jacob holds them close, and they belong to him, so to speak. Israel, again Jacob, said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. I never thought I'd see you again, and now God has allowed me to see your children, too. So that's, in a sense, the end of the adoption ceremony, all right? That, that, that these boys are now, in a sense, Jacob's sons. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. So he goes... And he gets Ephraim, pulls him back. He gets Manasseh, pulls him back. Joseph bows, and I'm, I'm suggesting the boys probably did as well. So they've been adopted, and now what we're going to get is the blessing. Now we're going to move kind of to another ceremony. They've been adopted, now they're going to get the blessing. And Joseph took both of them, okay? So Joseph gets up, and he takes both of them, and, and this is, we get a lot of detail. The Bible, whenever it gives us this much detail, it's really important. And, and, and this is what it says. Ephraim, he took him, you may, we've got to know this. Ephraim was on his right, okay? Ephraim is on Joseph's right, which means that he's towards Israel's, Jacob's left hand, okay? And Manasseh on his left, okay, Manasseh there on his left, toward Israel, towards Jacob's right hand, Why? The the right hand was the better hand of blessing. The right hand was the strong hand. And and so what Joseph is saying is Manasseh is the older. Manasseh gets the firstborn blessing. Manasseh is stronger, better, all those things. So Manasseh has to get that blessing. Ephraim is younger. Sorry, you get the left-handed blessing. And so Joseph has them set up so that Jacob just has to reach out and give a blessing to them. And so he brings them Close to him. All right, so now he brings them there, and they're in front of them. And this is fascinating. And it's not because Jacob is just being Jacob and tricking and and being scheming and so on, but Israel, Jacob. He reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head though he was younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. So Joseph brings him up one way, and Jacob says, oh, I know what to do about this, and he crosses his hands. All right, and so he's got his hands on the different boys' heads. He's got his right hand on Ephraim. He's got his right hand on the younger. We're going to come back to that, because what we get next is the blessing itself. Then he, Jacob, blessed Joseph. By blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, he's blessing Joseph. Again, just so we can kind of keep things straight here, the blessing has two parts. A blessing like this would have two parts. First of all, a description of God. He's going to say, I want God to bless you, but it's not just God. I'm going to tell you who this God is. He's going to describe who God is, and then he's going to give the blessing itself, and it's that first part that tells us something just hugely important about Jacob And about what he's learned about God. And about what he's learned about himself. Then he, Jacob, blessed Joseph. And and he's got three parts to describing who God is. May the God, for whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully. This is the God of my father. This is the God of my grandfather. This is the one. May he, may this God bless you. And then the second one. And this is huge. The God who has been my shepherd. If you have your Bibles with you, circle that word, my shepherd, all my life to this day. This is the first time in the Bible that God is called a shepherd. God has been called a shield. He's been called a rock. He's been called a rampart. God's been called many different things by this point in the story. First time. And it's so interesting that it's Jacob who calls him shepherd. It's so interesting that Jacob is the first one to say, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And the reason that that's so interesting is because if the Lord is my shepherd, what does that make me? It makes me a sheep. And that's why I say Jacob has learned to see himself differently. And he makes this amazing confession. He says, Lord, you are my shepherd. I'm just a sheep. And, and, and Jacob was a herdsman. He knew sheep. He had a lot of sheep. He had raised sheep. He had seen sheep. And, and you've got to know a couple of things about sheep. Jacob would have known these things. And the first is that sheep are just not smart. They are dumb. They just, their brains don't work very well. Again, I've never raised sheep, but from what I understand, from people who have, you know, you can, you can take cows, and you, you can let the cows go out to, to pasture. Because you know what happens at night? The cows come back. Nobody lets the sheep go out. You don't let the sheep go out without a sheepdog or a human or somebody else to watch them because the sheep won't ever come back. It'll get dark. It could start to storm. It could start to snow. And the sheep won't know enough to say, hey, I should go home. No, the sheep just do They're not smart enough. They're dumb. They're, they're just, they, they don't know. I mean, if they're hungry, they don't know. I should go find some food. They'll just sit there and starve to death in the same spot. I mean, it's just, they're just not smart. And Jacob is saying, that's me. I'm not very smart. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't come home on my own. If the shepherd hadn't come after me, I wouldn't have done that. Sheep are not smart, and sheep are totally dependent on the shepherd. And we have Jacob here, who spent the first 97 years of his life trying to say, I can stand on my own two feet. I can take care of myself. I will get my blessings. I will get what I need. I will be strong. (laughs) A shepherd. I am not a sheep. And now he says, oh man, my life turned around when I said I'm a sheep. My life turned around when I realized that I can't stand on my own two feet. But all I can do... Is trust the shepherd. And and again, you see the difference between this Jacob. He says he's been my shepherd all my life. Again, fascinating that he says all my life, isn't it? Before I even surrendered to him, he was my shepherd. He was coming after me. He was, he was, he just was after me all the time. He was taking care of me. He has been my shepherd. So that's the first thing that Jacob says about who God is. God is the shepherd. I'm just a sheep. And I want to suggest, friends, that one of the keys to joy in in our lives is learning to say, I'm a sheep. (laughs) And celebrating that. Not saying I'm I'm celebrating how dumb I am. But I'm celebrating that I don't have to figure everything out. I I don't have to be in charge. I don't have to control everything. Because my shepherd will take care of me. And he will lead me to green pastures. And he will do all of those things he does for me. So I am a sheep. And then we go to the next line. The angel who has delivered me from all harm. Now you go, hold on, time out. Are we, d- he's asking for a blessing from God and from an angel? No. Again, the parallelism, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's God, God, angel. Angel is a word, and this happens other places in the Old Testament where that refers to God. So it's the God who has delivered me. The God who has delivered me. And the word that he uses there is a word that has a very specific meaning and was used in a very specific context. It's the word goel, okay? The God who has goeled me. The God who has taken care of me. What it means, it's the God who has redeemed me. It's the God who has bought me. It's the God who paid the price for me. That's why I want to bless you. It would be used in a situation where somebody gets into deep debt for whatever reason, their own foolishness or something else, but they get into deep debt. In fact, the debt is so deep they can't pay it back, and what would happen in that situation is they get thrown into jail, and they're in jail, and their family might well be thrown into jail, or they might be thrown into, or sold into slavery or whatever it was, but all of this is happening. But if there was a Goel, a Redeemer, that person would come. And they would pay the price. They would pay the debt. And you'd be free. And, and, and what Jacob says here is, I, I would have told you I was free, but I wasn't. I was in jail. I was caught. And it's God who rescued me, who redeemed me, who paid the price. And, and he says, I'm a sheep and I've been bought. I have been bought and paid for. And it's tough to acknowledge that, too, because what it means is that I owed a debt and I was in jail. I was completely lost. I had no place to turn, but God bought me. But Jacob would say, friends, what that means is that I belong to him. I belong to him. He is my redeemer. He is the one who paid the price. And again, I want to say, man, that's, that's life. When we know those two things, when we know those two things, that I am a sheep who has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning of life that's the beginning of freedom that's the beginning of joy that's that's what we were created to experience friends we so often try to be in control and strong jacob says here's what i've learned here's who i want to bless you the god of my fathers the god who is my shepherd and the god who's my redeemer and he goes on to the blessing may he bless these boys May he baby be called by my name in the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Now we've got to go back to our other thing. All right, so Jacob has said, you know, this is who it is. But now the other thing that's really interesting, because, you know, he's got his hands crossed, right? Joseph is not happy. <laughs> Joseph does not like this, because Joseph... I, I, I wonder if he wasn't embarrassed, right? When your father gets older, I <laughs> kids feel like I'm there already. When your father, sometimes your parents embarrass you, right? They don't know how to do things, and, and so you have to set it up. And, and, I, I remember, you know, and so when, when Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. He was upset. He, he was frustrated. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. So, so Joseph goes, and he, he starts to, and, and Jacob is like, nuh buddy. And, and here, this is so cool, and this is such a lesson, I think, for us. It's not a lesson in parenting, but it is, all right? Because I think Jacob gets, his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. And, and I think what he's saying there in something we got is, is rather than saying, no, 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 you got it wrong. He starts just by saying. I understand. For 97 years, I felt the same way. I, 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 I know it doesn't make any sense what I'm doing here, but I'll tell you something. You got to understand who God is, and God doesn't work the ways we do. God doesn't always go through the oldest and the best and the smartest and all that stuff. God has this crazy way of doing things, and, and he's doing it this way, but he says, I know it's tough to grasp this. It's taken me 140 years. It's taken me forever to get and to just say, okay, but I'm going to trust that God is going to do things his way. I know, my son, I know. Manasseh, the older, he too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. And here we see that Jacob has learned to see the world differently. After whatever many years he finally gets it that God works in upside-down ways. God is not controlled by the way things we are. God does not work in the patterns we work. God does not work in the way the culture says he has to work. He doesn't use the people that the culture says he has to use. He he is not that way. Again, the world says, and we need to recognize this. This is so true for us. The world says it's got to be the firstborn. It's still got to be the male. We're still there. We got to get beyond that one. But the biggest, the strongest, the smartest, the best looking, right? When we need a hero, when we need a savior, when we need a pastor. We look for the biggest best, Good look. at it. You didn't, but I mean, you know, right? You look for the, 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 right? That's That's who God uses. God uses the wealthy. God uses the powerful, and God uses us in our moments like that. And Jacob says, I finally get it. He doesn't. He doesn't worry about that. God uses the weak. God uses those who have surrendered. God uses those who are available to him. Jacob gets it. Not only is he a sheep, but God is the shepherd who turns the world upside down. And, and, and those are different steps. And we see that, I think. This is, I think, just really cool. But Joseph doesn't get this yet. Even though he has experienced his whole life. Think about this. right? Joseph is the 11th of the 12 boys. Joseph had these dreams that his older brothers were bowing down to him. Joseph just saved the world by what he did, working for Pharaoh. Joseph just did all of that. He was the younger. He was the the one who shouldn't have been used. He was the smaller. He was the runt. He was all of that. And God chose him. God used him. He experienced God's amazing grace. He would have said, I'm a shepherd. But there's another thing he wasn't quite ready to do to say, and now when I look at the world, I'm going to do that. And, and I think we can recognize, I think this is a little picture of recognizing that sometimes those things don't always go together. I can experience God's amazing grace. I can know that I am a sheep. But when I start to work in the world, it's like, yeah, but I still know how the world thinks. I still know how the world thinks, I still know how things get done. I still know how everything works. And, and we don't, it takes time, friends, for grace to shape us so deeply, and that's why, again, for for Jacob to say, Joseph, I know, I know. I know, it's hard. <laughs> I don't, I, 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 I'm not yelling at you because I was doing the same thing for 97 years and probably longer. I was doing that. But I'll tell you this, God is different. And the way God works is different. And you and I need to start to live more in that grace. And, and so that, kind of ends that blessing portion and joseph gets up in israel jacob again said to joseph i am bound to die or i'm about to die but god will be with you and there's that basic covenant promise god will be with you so joseph and ephraim and manasseh go away one thing more, I told you to think about the, the carrier of the promised one. All right, who, who is it, right? <laughs> Jacob is going to make it clear in 49 and, and, and so on that, that, that it's, it's not Manasseh, it's not Ephraim, it's not Reuben, his firstborn, it's not Simeon, his secondborn, it's not Levi, his thirdborn. This time God's going right in the middle, and it's his fourthborn, it's Judah. It is Judah who is the carrier of the blessing. And, and, and again, that, that just fits into that whole thing of, of recognizing that we so easily say, you know, we, we can learn how to do church. from, And there are good business principles we can apply, but God works upside down. We've got to always remember that, that we can't just say, well, this is how the world works, this is how the church works. No, God works upside down. And he chooses the youngest and he uses the oldest and he uses the fourth and he uses the woman and he uses this and he uses all sorts of things. Friends, no matter where we are, what God cares about is not our ability but our availability, right? He cares about our surrender. He cares about our hearts. And then shortly after this, Jacob dies. So what do we learn? Real quick, wrap it up. The two things I've been talking about. Learning to understand and accept who we are is the beginning of real joy in life. Friends, we don't have low self-esteem, okay? I'm not saying, think you're a sheep, think you're dumb. No, it's not low. It's just understanding that I was never intended to be in charge. But God's grace is enough for me. And he's going to hold on to me. We, We are sheep who have a perfect shepherd. And you are so loved and that shepherd laid down his life for you and for me. We have been bought, and we belong to Jesus. Man, if if we get that right, when we begin to understand and accept who we are, that I'm a sheep as a perfect shepherd, that I was dead, but now I'm alive, that I was lost and trying to go my own way, but my everlasting Father loves me. Learning to understand and accept who we are is the beginning of real life and joy. And when we see ourselves this way, we can begin to see the world in a new way. We begin to see that God does things in his own way. That God does things in an upside down way. And we'll stop valuing people the way the world does. In, in a sense, these are the lessons of Jacob's life. The whole series comes down to this. Some ways the scripture comes down to this. Friends, we need to see that we are people who are more broken than we ever imagined, but more loved by God than we could ever dare to believe and we need to then learn to see the world in that grace so that's the Jacob version of God's messed up blessed up messed up messed up people in the good news is that God doesn't give up even when we're messed up he keeps coming after us let's pray Father we are loved forgive us when we don't trust that love. Forgive us when we think that we are safe because of our security. Forgive us when we think that it's because we're shepherds that we need to be in charge. Father, set us free to be sheep who are led to green pastures, who are loved by a shepherd who lays down his life. Remind us we're bought. Teach us to live with grace with each other. Father, Jacob is struggling in his whole life, and, and that's my story and our story. Thank you for keeping on coming after us. Thank you for your grace that never lets go. And Lord, make us new in Christ so that we will live upside down in an upside down world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction. Again, following our, our service, we're want to pray with somebody, there will be some folks in the prayer room to my right, to your left. Uh, Again, they'd be happy to pray with you. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. May we be sheep in the arms of the shepherd. Go in God's grace. Amen.